Today is Wednesday, October 5th, 2022. This is Quick Start from CBN News. I'm Dan Andros. Jews in America are uneasy after a new mapping project is created. We'll have details on that story and more on today's podcast. We're bringing news from a Christian perspective. Go ahead and subscribe to the podcast. Give a rating. Share with a friend. All the good stuff. You know what to do. Let's get through that news of the cray together. Why go out alone when you can when you can be here with us Monday through Friday at 7 a.m.? Billy Hallowell, Trey Gons Phillips with me as always. What's going on, guys? It's hump day. Well, How are you? Yeah, up? we're here. We're here in the middle of the week. We're living the dream. Everything is good. Right. All the things, all the good things are happening on this Wednesday. Yes. That's right. Indeed. Halfway home. Almost. But we're getting there. Coming up today, prayer at uh, football games, guys. That's been like a big, it's kind of been like this hot button issue for some reason. People are all upset about it. But are people actually against it? Well, we've got the data on that. Break it down here coming up in a few minutes. Plus on the main thing, the Supreme Court has some new faces. What can we expect to see from the new session? CBN's John Stolness and Esther Eaton of the Dispatch break it all down on today's main thing. But first, we're going to go through the news in 90 seconds. Jews in the U.S. are becoming more concerned for their safety and for good reason. In addition to the growing violence that's happened, there's now an interactive website that seeks to reveal the names and addresses of close to 500 organizations and individuals in Massachusetts, many who are Jewish. It's being called the Mapping Project, and it's causing anxiety among the Jewish community. Heather Sells has more details on that disturbing story over at CBNNews.com. Officials in Lee County, Florida, are warning looters that there will be consequences to their actions, especially those who are here illegally in the U.S. As three recent individuals who were arrested there are accused of being, the Lee County Sheriff said, As far as looting, we have law and order in Lee County. We have law and order in our great state of Florida, and we always will. Right now, we have four cases of looting, and I'm proud to say that they're behind bars where they belong, our residents are going to be safe. And Loretta Lynn, the coal miner's daughter, who many considered the queen of country music for seven decades, died at the age of 90 yesterday. Our precious mom, Loretta Lynn, passed away peacefully this morning, October 4th, in her sleep at her home in her beloved ranch in Hurricane Mills. That was a statement from the family and the daughter of Loretta Lynn. You can read the latest on that and more over at CBN news.com guys the disturbing news there that jews are being kind of targeted out once again this is obviously we know biblical history but this just seems to be something that it's never going to go away well yeah and it, it is sort of one of those things too where you you look back at scripture and you see all that the jews you know have gone through that the hebrews went through and you look at what's going on today and you think man how is this still going on but there's so much there theologically and geographically and historically that that just makes you really ponder it you know mm. yeah no i think it, it's hard to remove uh to remove that biblical context from this issue at all as a christian uh, and it kind of reminds you how truncated time is right like that that not a whole lot of time has passed obviously it's been it's been th- you know two three thousand years uh, depending on your your theological perspective yeah. there um but uh, it just is a reminder to me as a christian to go back to basics like what does the old testament say about god's chosen people uh, what do we see even in the new testament and this is just i think uh, a continuation of what the the gospels and what the old testament says is going to happen yeah yeah absolutely and um of course we should continue as christians we're called to 
support and bless uh, Israel. And that's a command in scripture that we can try to remember as many times as possible because, you know, as I said, it does seem like issues like this just keep surfacing. You're going to see it um, seemingly over and over again. So um, we'll continue to keep an eye on that story and similar ones uh, that crop up in the future. So we're going to head into our next story here and prayer in the football field at schools. We've seen a lot of stories about this. We've covered many of them over the years uh, at CBN News and Faithwire. And you know, the underlying sense is that there is there are people out there who are upset about this and who are targeting it and calling it out. And you're getting the lawyers in there and you're getting schools to stop it and shut it down. But what do people actually think about this? Well, there's a new survey out. And Trey, what is this new survey? What is it saying about these prayers? Yeah, you know, I think you're right. When you when you just look at the mainstream media, you turn on the news or you listen to the loud minority of people on yeah. social media, you might get the impression that everybody is opposed to prayer. Uh, but that's not necessarily, you know, reality. Uh, so this new survey, which was conducted by the Associated Press uh, and the University of Chicago's National Opinion Research Center, uh, they found that actually solid majorities of Americans approve of prayers across the board at sporting events in particular was what this was addressing. Uh, 60% said they're supportive of a coach leading a team in prayer. 64% said the same about a player leading the team in prayer. Uh, And then 71%, the the largest majority, uh, said they approve of a coach going off and praying on the field, even in public, as long as they're not requiring or, or you know, mandating that their team, uh, teammates, team members join in the prayer. So what is the context of kind of this whole survey, how it came about? Um, you know, what was sort of the genesis of this one? Yeah, so the AP commissioned the survey uh, just a few months after the Supreme Court uh, issued its ruling in favor of Washington State High School football coach Joe Kennedy. We've covered him a lot uh, at CBN News and Faithwire. He'd been in a legal battle with the Bremerton School District since 2015, essentially. District officials had been going back and forth with him. They'd argued for years at his prayers at the 50-yard line. That's how he got kind of famous, became a household name. Uh, They said that that was a violation of the Establishment Clause of the Constitution. He obviously argued differently, and the justices ultimately sided with him and ruled that uh, he should be able to pray because to say that he can't pray uh, violates his free speech rights, his free exercise rights, uh, that there's nothing in the Constitution that keeps him from praying. In fact, them keeping him from praying violates the Constitution, is what the Supreme Court said. Uh, And according to the survey, uh, 54% of Americans agree with the Supreme Court's 6-3 decision. Uh, Only 22% said they disagreed. So what do you say, like there's a person listening out there to this podcast and they say, I don't have kids in school, Uh, my kids are grown, or I I homeschool, or they go to a private school where they're allowed to pray. Um, Why would this story matter to the wider audience at large who maybe aren't directly impacted? Well, you know, the reality is, is that even if you're not directly impacted, American culture is obviously directly impacted by the public school system. The vast majority of kids are in and out of public schools. We have some sort of connection with our family, whether it's our kids or somebody or our friends uh, or our kids' friends or, um, you know, extended family members. So, you know, it touches all of us in, in some way. And I think this survey just shows uh, how valuable prayer is to Americans, even though, like we were saying at the top, the media might want to send a different message, but this is clearly a win for prayer. So I think that's the easy explanation as to why it matters. Uh, but I think it also reveals a misnomer, right? It reveals this misnomer that Americans are opposed 
to prayer. Mm. That just doesn't seem to be the case. You know, this survey clearly shows that not only are Americans comfortable with prayer, even in a public school setting, uh, they want prayer, uh, which is, mm. you know, contrary to what, uh, like we said, the, the mainstream media is telling us day in and day out. Seems to me, guys, I don't know. When I listen to this story, Trey, and I hear you go through it, what my reaction in my mind is, it seems like we have a very cushy society when these are the biggest issues right. that people these are can the be focused on, right? Us. I mean, is it just me on that? No, no, it's not. And I think, you know, you look at these organizations that are so outraged by these things. It's funny. I mean, you're you're telling me on one hand that kids are able to listen to all of these insane ideas, right, about all sorts of issues that are, should be way above their heads. That's okay, but suddenly it's a dire danger to give them the option, the choice to maybe pray alongside a football coach or just on a hear field. one or just hear the prayer. Like it just, I mean, I yeah. just, these are silent prayers, first of all, but yes, I agree with you. It's just, it, we're talking out of both ends of our mouth. And I think we need to call that out and discuss that because that's another problem with this yeah. debate. Yeah. Cause yeah. this one, Trey was talking about, you know, the sporting events, but there's also these valedictorians when they get their speeches mm-hmm. and some of them are told, Hey, don't pray. I mean, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Well, I think another issue here that we haven't talked about, I know we've talked about it in the past, but is the fact that you can't present no worldview, but that's what the world will try to tell you. Like, well, actually, we're just being objective. We're presenting no worldview, so we should just not have prayer. Uh, But that's not possible. You can never have a presentation that doesn't advance some sort of worldview. You're advancing a secular worldview. And as a Christian, I just want to know, what makes the secular worldview that much better than the Christian worldview or any other worldview? If kids, to your point, Dan, are intelligent enough to hear these other arguments, they certainly are intelligent enough to sit for 20 seconds silently while somebody prays. Yeah, it, it seems like a microcosm of sort of the whole censorship debate in general, which we're yeah. seeing on social media, where it's, you know, you don't censor all these views and then come out with a healthy society that is actually understanding and tolerant on the other side. The best way to make the best ideas go forward is to hear have a hearing on all the ideas, even the horrible ones, even the ones that are incorrect or have inaccurate facts. Let it all out there. Eventually, you know, the truth makes it through the refining process of all of that public debate. And you're always going to have people who believe crazy things. You're just never going to delete that. And suppressing it and trying to suppress it just seems to have a even worse effect. People lean more into the things that they believe. Well, and, and the last thing I would just say is that the importance of truth, it's so paramount because if we don't put truth out there, what's happening now is they're labeling truth a lie and yeah. then punishing you for misinformation, right? Because right. we haven't been out there enough actually spreading the truth and we need to make sure we're doing that. Yeah. I mean, it does feel like you're going to have a more of a dystopian type society where truth is this thing that like exists in these dark underworlds where they're not allowed to see the light of day and people are hiding there and um, it's... You know, the scenes you see from a movie, it seems like that's the direction we're trying to head. But um, all right, Trey, appreciate you bringing that story. That leads us into our main thing for today. And the Supreme Court, their new session is in. And um, there are a lot of cases that are going to be particularly interesting for Christians, uh, including uh, private business rights when it comes to um, providing services for same-sex weddings, gerrymandering cases, affirmative action in college, admissions, and potentially social media censorship. Well, CBN's John Stolness talked to Esther Eaton of The Dispatch to break all these issues down and more on today's Main Thing. 
So Esther, I want to start off before we get into these specific cases that are going to make headlines with this term about a recent Gallup poll, which shows more Americans are doubting the Supreme Court as an institution right now. This comes on the heels of the Dobbs case, obviously in the last term that overturned Roe v. Wade. I guess the main question about that is, Is it a big deal to you that does it matter that public perception, the the politicization of the Supreme Court seems to be at uh, at a high we haven't seen in quite a long time? You know, well, of course it matters because uh, a lack of faith in the institutions of our government is is never going to be a helpful thing for them to function well. Um, On the other hand, it's not like it's new for the Supreme Court to be under scrutiny or for people to be upset about rulings or, or just watching closely. Um, Mm. so I don't think we necessarily need to feel like everything is about to collapse. Um, but certainly, yes, it does matter that, uh, that Gallup poll, you know, is showing the lowest level of approval of the Supreme court since 2000. And I think that that's something that the, the justices are also keeping in mind. Um, it's important to them that the American people feel like they can trust how they are assessing and ruling on the law. And they are entering they're entering a new term here and that we still don't have uh, the answers as to the leak of the Dobbs case before which I know John, uh, Chief Justice Roberts has talked about uh, eating away at the uh, at the trust of the court um, be able to figure out exactly what happened there so uh, I know we don't have any idea when that will come out but we'll have to see how that shakes out. Right. Looking at these cases specifically Esther Obviously, our audience is highly attuned to any cases having to do with religious freedom. And the court will hear a case about a private business who says they have religious objections to creating a marriage website for a gay couple. Can you talk a little bit about that case? Yes. This case is a little bit of deja vu because it's happening in Colorado. And it's the same uh, law that was challenged about four years ago with the Masterpiece Cake Shop case. So in that Mm. instance, you know, this baker, Jack Phillips, didn't want to create cakes for same-sex marriages, specifically weddings. And Uh, the state said, you know, that's discrimination and we can't allow that. And it went all the way to the Supreme Court. And ultimately, the court didn't rule on the question of whether Phillips had the right to um, had the right to an exception to that law. Instead, the court basically said the state, um, its Civil Rights Commission wasn't um, religiously neutral on this question. They had hostility towards his religious beliefs. Excuse me. So we're back at it, this time with a graphic designer who says, I'm happy to make wedding websites and I'm happy to make websites for same-sex couples for other things, but I don't want to make them for same-sex marriages. Uh, And she's, you know, contesting this law saying I should have a religious exception and basically hoping that this time the court will rule on that question of whether business owners doing this kind of creative, expressive work are allowed an exception based on religion to this type of civil rights law. Do we know if it's possible that they'll hand down another decision that's kind of not really hitting the nail on the head as far as what the as what the two sides want, or at least an answer that the public seems to want on this particular issue like they did last time? Or is this is this looking like a case where, where they will give an answer on this particular issue? You know, I, I don't have a window into the judges, the justices' minds, but I will say that there's not the Uh, sort of longer history of the state's enforcement that the previous case had. So there is just Mm. 
less for the court to consider there, which says to me that, yeah, we we might have a better chance of getting a clear answer, answer on this question. So with just a month until Election Day, there are also two cases having to do with gerrymandering. I love how you titled them uh, in, in the dispatch newsletter that went out on Monday. You called them the ones with the maps, the, the cases with the maps. Um, what are the differences between the two gerrymandering cases that the high court will be taking up over the next week or two? Yes, they both do concern maps, but they're different questions. So in Alabama, we have Merrill versus Milligan. And in this case, the state drew up its new maps and there is just one majority black district. And Alabama has about a 27 percent um, of its population is black. So a few groups sued and said, basically, the state has illegally diluted um, those black voters' voices by spreading them out among the districts. And the state says, look, we drew this map with race-neutral criteria. We were trying to stick to, um, be as similar as we could to previous maps. And you're trying to force us to sort voters based on race. Um, So you've got to prove that our maps could have only been made with racial discrimination and that uh, using other race neutral criteria, you could create multiple majority minority districts, whereas now they only have one. Um, And then in North Carolina, we have Moore versus Harper. And this one is about how much authority state courts have in reviewing the rules that legislatures make about federal elections. So North Carolina Supreme Court nixed that state's new maps um, because it ruled that they were a political gerrymander and uh, a trial court had had a committee draw up some new maps. And North Carolina's legislature says, hey, listen, Uh, The court can't do that. Um, The Constitution gives the legislature specifically power. That's called the independent state legislature theory. It says that the legislature itself is the one with the power to set these rules for federal elections. Um, And that sort of interpretation or theory um, based on the Constitution, if the Supreme Court embraces that, would really change how much power state courts have to police these new voting laws and maps that legislatures come up with. Um, so if if that were to be embraced, it would it would mean that um, legislatures potentially with, you know, political motivation or partisan motivation could make a lot of new voting rules with less check on that power from mm-hmm their courts. But the court could also issue a narrower ruling still in the legislature's favor and just say, yes, the court or the state court just sort of overstepped its power by um, appointing a committee to drop some new maps. And it should have just sent the legislature back to the drawing board. And that would sort of maintain more of or more of the state court's power to check on these mm-hmm. rules um, without totally embracing this different interpretation. And it's fair to note that the the court will not make a ruling on this in in any way uh, that will affect the midterms this time around. This is more looking ahead to 2024 and elections thereafter, correct? Right. Yeah. Okay. Um, There's also one, and it seems like we've been talking about affirmative action with college admissions for decades now. And and the court will hear students for fair admissions v. president and fellows of Harvard College and v. the University of North Carolina. You've titled this one the ones with the long names. (laughs) This is uh, having to do with the role of race in college admissions here. Can you tell us a little bit more about this one? Yeah. So in this case, Students for Fair Admissions has sued uh, both Harvard and the University of North Carolina. And it's basically trying to bring an end to affirmative action. Uh, In Harvard's case, it says this sort of what Harvard calls race uh, conscious admissions. 
uh, is discriminating against Asian Americans, that they get admitted at lower rates than similarly qualified uh, potential students of other races. And Harvard says, that's beside the point. Our policy uh, is in line with Supreme Court precedent. Um, the court ruled in, in 2003, for example, that the uh, University of Michigan could consider race in its in its goal of, of creating a diverse student class, could be one of the factors. Um, so it looks like the court may be interested in overturning that precedent um, and basically saying, okay, yes, you should not be considering race in your admissions in this way. We'll just have to see how they rule. One of the other things that you mentioned in the uh, in the newsletter, one of the other things that you're you're watching for is uh, the high court and whether they will agree to hear a case involving Florida social media companies and concerns that uh, the state of Florida and other conservatives have over censorship. What would the implications of this case be and what is Florida looking to have the high court rule on? Florida passed this law in 2021 um, that says, you know, uh, basically, these tech platforms have become the modern public square, or they're they're like a digital bulletin board, and that when they moderate content, they are restricting people's free speech um, in this public square. And in, in general, this concern is coming from um, the the feeling that these tech platforms are. Uh, biased against maybe conservative um, speakers on their platforms. And so Florida's goal here is to stop them from doing this type of moderation. Uh, so it, if if the Supreme Court upheld Florida's law, it would really change how tech platforms make decisions about what kind of content they allow. I mean, for instance, uh, Florida's law includes um, provisions that mean uh, platforms could be uh, fined for booting political candidates off of mm. their uh, platforms. So, you know, that would mean that these sort of political figures who have been banned from various platforms maybe couldn't be anymore, at least in Florida. Uh, and that would have all kinds of implications for how they make these moderating moderation decisions and mm. what kind of content they allow. Yeah. And, and with anything else, I mean, there's there's that balance between tr between trying to uh, prevent misinformation from spreading and to prevent uh, harmful content from from being distributed, but also not silencing voices in a in a, in a public setting. So um, be interesting to see um, what the what the Supreme Court does uh, with that case here over the next few months. Well, it, it, this court does begin uh in a very politicized manner, um, it obviously a very heavy conservative majority, six to three right now. It'll be interesting to see how all of this plays out over time. Esther, if people want to become subscribers to The Dispatch and read more about this and all of the other great stuff you guys are doing, how do they do that? Just head on over to thedispatch.com and uh, hit subscribe. All right. That is easy. <laughs> Sign on up because uh, it's it's a fantastic newsletter and it's full of great information. It's how I it's how I start my day every day. So, um, Esther, thank you for that and for joining me today. Thank you. All right. Thanks for that conversation, John. And that leaves us with time for one last thing today. And we're going to take a look, Billy, at Ephesians 6. Yeah, it's Ephesians 6, 18. It says, And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. And it's just a reminder, you know, never stop praying. Pray wherever you are. And we saw Joe doing that, Joe Kennedy, the coach we talked about. And we see Americans being, ironically, for all the negative stats we've seen, being really okay uh, with prayer. And that's a huge encouragement. Yeah, and there's and you're right. We are commanded to pray all the time, and we should make it a habit 
um, not a rote habit, but make it a real thing that, you know, you're really believing in the power of prayer because it can kind of get robotic if you just sort of do the same things over and over again. So it's a good reminder to remember that, no, no, we're actually talking to the living God who created the universe. And there's so many examples, Trey, you see in, in scripture of just, I mean, Hezekiah's prayer comes to mind. Just when God hears these prayers and it's so powerful, we see what God can do through prayer. It's amazing. And you know, something that I'm susceptible to is allowing not knowing what to pray or not knowing how to pray be a stumbling block to prayer. Uh, And I think as Christians, it's a good reminder of this passage to not let a lack of information be a barrier to prayer. We don't need to know all of the details or all of a situation. If somebody, a friend, a family member says, hey, can you pray for me? They don't need to give you any details. Just immediately start praying for them. The Lord knows. The Holy Spirit obviously will communicate on your behalf, on their behalf. Um, so, I, you know, I, I just, it's so easy to come up with reasons not to pray. Don't let that be one of them. You're hundred percent right guys. And, um, I'll, I'll refrain from saying, you know, make MC Hammer's song kind of your motto, you know, I, is this, too, is this too old of a reference for you guys? Do you not know MC Hammer? We got to pray. Well, I know MC, the, okay. the parachute pants, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah uh, I was, was going to crack a joke about him being from the 1800s, but you ruined that train. <laughs> so, go ahead. Well, I'm look, I'm, I'm aging myself, dating myself with the MC Hammer references, but God bless. <laughs> we'll see you back here tomorrow with more uh, news from a Christian perspective. See you back here tomorrow.